You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, uh, peace be upon you, good morning. And welcome to the breakfast show, the voice of Islam, with me, Willie Demet, and accompanied by um, Imam Jalis Khan. The time is uh, 3 minutes past 7. It's Friday, the 29th of December, 2023. As always, we have a packed show this morning uh, on the breakfast show. It is an interactive broadcast. It means that our uh, listeners have the facility, the opportunity, if they wish to uh, uh, avail it, to uh, call in and um, share their thoughts and their views on anything that we may be discussing during the course of the program. All you need to do is to pick up the phone, dial 0208-687-7878, or use the more modern method of communicating through uh, what used to be called Twitter, and it's now referred to as X, and post your thoughts. Uh, the handle is Voice of Islam UK. A variety of different uh, subjects are going to be explored this morning. Um, we'll be beginning uh, uh, our routine, as always, with uh, going through some of um, the news stories after we've uh, given a brief introduction regarding the weather. Uh, the news stories that are circulating around both uh, within the Amdi Muslim community and uh, in general uh, in the broader community as well. So that's something that will take up, up to the first half hour. Um, and uh, then we'll be beginning to look at the main topics that we have selected to uh, cover. Uh, those familiar with the show will know that uh, we normally, well, we used to cover uh, two topics uh, in this uh, latter part of the program. But uh, lately we have uh, been considering three topics, and this is going to be the case today as well. Uh, the first of these relates to what uh, is a very um, uh, horrific conflict that is currently going on in the Middle East, uh, and uh, the uh, first topic actually deals with an aspect of it. Uh, there is no space, there is no safe space place. Uh, we sleep fearing we might be dead. Uh, that probably is a pronouncement of one of the victims of um, this um, tragic uh, set of events that is taking place. Uh, it's uh, the tragic reality of the suffering of the Palestinian Gazans who are bearing the brunt of Israeli indiscriminate bombing and siege that has led to the loss of over 20,000 lives, uh, 70 or 75% of which are women and children. So we'll be covering this subject in that half hour before 8 o'clock. Uh, and then uh, discussing this uh, during that half hour with uh, Mr. Tamim Dhaka. Uh, Mr. Tamim is an Ahmadi um, Muslim scholar, theologian, uh, lecturer, poet, and regular panelist on MTA. So if you're interested in this particular topic, then make a point of remaining tuned in during that period. That's between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. Uh, moving on to a second main topic, uh, that's going to be uh, broached uh, after the 8 o'clock news. Uh, it deals with the festivities that uh, have been taking place recently, namely Christmas. 
Uh, the title of this topic is Christmas and its commercialization. We will be looking at this subject with the help of um, uh, Mr. Sayed Mashud Ahmed. He's a member of the Ahmadi Muslim Community, but has studied Christianity extensively, attaining Masters in Biblical Studies. He will be with us in that segment after the 8 o'clock news. And for the third main topic, uh, we'll be reviewing uh, something different. Uh, weeks after the election of uh, or election victory of Gert Wilders in neighboring Holland, sent shockwaves around Europe, Denmark appears to have signaled a more mature approach uh, to Islam and uh, banned uh, chronic uh, Quran burnings. Hence the title of this topic that we'll be addressing is uh, Denmark's Parliament Adopts Law Banning Quran Burnings. Denmark's Parliament Adopts Law Banning Quran Burnings. So that's the uh, final topic that we have. Uh, we'll be discussing this uh, with our, with Imam um, Falah Malik, who lives in Denmark and serves as a missionary of the community there. And uh, together with all this, uh, we'll be sharing the Islamic standpoint on all that uh, we'll be covering uh, in some detail. Uh, so without further ado, uh, further to do, let's uh, get the show on the way with the Imam Jalis Khan. We'll be also, hopefully if we can, uh, also look, introducing us as to what we should expect as regards the weather. Yes. yes. Um, peace be upon you, uh, Brother Valid. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Uh, yes, okay, fine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not Day, days are becoming longer now slightly. Y- yes, just, just a yes. little bit. Just a little bit. Mm. Yes, it's not too bad today this morning as well. I think it's no, okay. no, and the weather good. was good. Yeah, it was good. Mm. Yeah, it was a decent mm. drive down, so it was okay. It was mm-hmm. good. Um, on to the weather. Um, today, largely dry with winter sh- uh, sunshine in the southeast. Partly cloudy and breezy with scattered showers for most elsewhere. Uh, but windier with showery rain, sleet and hell snow in northern Scotland. And tonight, uh, daytime showers largely ease, but a few will linger across northern England and the far north of Scotland, turning dry and clear elsewhere, but cloud and rain arriving in the far west later. As for tomorrow, um, outbreaks of heavy rain and strong winds will sweep across much of the UK from the southwest, with snow for northern hills. Drier in the southeast, but rather cloudy. And for Sunday to Tuesday, so if you look at Sunday overnight, the rain will give way to scattered blustery showers. These more widespread in the west, wintry on some hills, showers expected in the, in the north on New Year's Day, and perhaps rain in the far south. Mm. Elsewhere, it will be drier with patchy cloudy, and Tuesday will be a drier day with variable cloud and bright spells. A few showers possible along coasts in the north. So it's going to be quite wet. Yes. Around, yes. Yeah, too, with the New Year's. You, yeah. uh, yes. Too many showers. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So probably umbrella weather. That's the one, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And um, what, what's happening within the community? Any news, anything yes. that we can report on? Absolutely, yes. So what we have, uh, or what, what, what we've seen in the past few days over, over the Christmas break, is that a lot of people from our community have been going to um, a lot of um, care homes and hospitals and just providing them with uh, some sort of care. Okay. So um, we also had an initiative with Mary Curie, the charity, uh-huh. and um, our youth got involved with them, so we had a little partnership. So... Um, there's um, Mary Curie do these baskets, gift baskets over the Christmas break, and uh, it was the responsibility of our um, uh, of our of our youth auxiliary, of our youth um, side uh, um, 
to deliver these baskets to um, different okay. addresses. So this was split up to different regions across where our community uh-huh. is. So um, even 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 my region. Um, so uh-huh. this is close to southeast of London. Um, we were we were delivering baskets to different houses. Uh-huh. Um, as for um, if you go up north, if you go to Huddersfield, Bradford area, um, a lot of our um, youth and a lot of our members over there. They were um, going to old care homes and they were, um, you, you, you saw that there were videos of our youth going to the old homes and the, the, the elderly and giving them fruit and other gifts and other baskets and just being there for them and mm-hmm. just trying to, mm-hmm. try, trying to um, make sure like they, they have someone that they can, uh, they can talk to and they can share the thoughts. Um, really good, really vibrant and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah was, so this was something that was done nationwide? Yes, it was. Excellent. Yes, it was. Okay. Yes. Right, wonderful, wonderful. It gives it gives uh, our youth the opportunity to do something yeah. really useful. Yes, absolutely. And uh, this is just one of the many activities that they they, they engage in. Uh, wonderful, yes. Absolutely. Excellent. What else? Is there anything else? Um, um, we're just preparing for our New Year's now. So New Year's, okay. we, we usually offer um, voluntary prayers uh, very uh-huh. early uh, in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, then we have um, our morning prayers, which is called Fajr. Right. Uh, then after Fajr, we usually go out and do street cleaning. This is New Year's right. Day. This uh-huh. is New Year's Day, January the first. Okay. Um, so um, again, same goes to the community that I or the the, the southeast of London where I'm from. Um, we we we've contacted the, commu- uh, the the local council, and uh, we've requested them to um, obviously allocate an area where they would like us to uh, target in terms of clean uh, cleaning. And very very cooperative. They were like, mm-hmm. um, yes, we will provide you with the bin bags and bin liners okay. and. Uh, they gave and us the a, brooms? Um, not the brooms. Okay. We've, we've got our own uh, letter picking sticks. Okay. Um, but I do believe that the, um, there's another area close to Greenwich. The uh-huh. Greenwich Council they provided with uh, they provided uh, our youth over there with uh, with uh, letter picking sticks and whatnot. Okay. Um, and they've allocated them an area as well. So uh-huh. yes, um, very busy throughout this period, um, as always, every single year. And th- th- this is amazing. I, I, our youth really get involved during this time yes. of year. Yes. And. Um, it's amazing to see as well, and okay. uh, yeah, just brings and everyone together. And again, it's throughout the country, nationwide, absolutely. Nationwide, yeah. Yeah. All right, excellent. Um, and then there's this um, event that is taking place in India. Yes, in Kadian. So tell yes. us a bit more about that. Yes, so this is the Kadian Jalsa. Oh, um, what's significant about that? This because uh, we have Jalsas all over the world. Oh, absolutely, time. absolutely. So Kadian is the place, is the birthplace of our uh, founder, Hazrat uh, uh-huh. Mirza. Ghulam um, Ahmed of Qadiyan uh-huh. this, is, this is where he was bo- born and okay. uh, this is where the first Jalsa actually happened Okay. and uh, this is happening every single year and uh, the blessing or the blessed part of this Jalsa is that our beloved um, Hazur, our, uh, our, our beloved Caliph Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed may Allah be his helper may Allah strengthen his hand um, uh-huh. he also delivers um, um, uh, a speech at the end, yes, and uh, the this concluding is, address, yes. absolutely okay. yes, and right. this is broadcasted worldwide as well. So uh, he does that from he, he does that from um, in, in in Tilford in the centre over there, okay. and in, uh-huh. in the mosque from Tilford, uh-huh. uh, Islamabad. That's what that's that's what the centre is called. And uh, yes, um, people from all the world um, just t- tune into that, and it's, it's it's an amazing atmosphere even in Islamabad. I don't know if you've um, yes. ever been to the Jazakat yes. in, uh, <laughs> no. in in no, no. In, in in Islamabad. In e- Islamabad yeah. Even in Islamabad, I know it might be difficult for some of us to get mm. to India mm. every single year, but yeah. even in Islamabad, it's it's an amazing atmosphere over there as well. Yeah. We have marquee set up. Mm-hmm. We have. Um, 
we have tea being be, being distributed to all the the volunteers mm-hmm. that are helping out as well because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of people come to um, Tilford over there mm-hmm. uh, parking and uh, all these little things that we have to take care of as well uh-huh. and uh, it's, it's amazing it's an amazing atmosphere and uh, a brother who sort of delivers this concluding speech and everyone is just tuned in okay. so it's, it's very yes in a remarkable very, event I mean it started in what the 1891 was it absolutely. And, uh, with uh, with only uh, an attendance of what was seventy five, absolutely, and now it's become global. Uh, in I mean that particular event yeah. is uh, being witnessed uh, live yeah. by literally millions, millions you know, absolutely yes, throughout yeah. the world. Yes, mm, it's amazing. remarkable, yes. remarkable, um, uh, remarkable progress. Um, what has uh, what's caught your eye as far as the wider media is concerned? Is there any story that you want yeah. to share with us? I, I came across um, a story actually. It was regarding um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware at Blackpool Tower. Uh, there was a supposed fire at Blackpool oh. Tower um, at the top of it um, uh-huh. on the 28th of December. So not not not, not too long ago. Okay. Um, I believe it was yesterday actually, and uh, there was, a, was a, a, a massive scare. So so much so that the six fire engines were called to the scene. Um, drones were called to the scene. Uh-huh. A gentleman was actually arrested as well um, by oh. the Lancaster police um, say, uh, for um, disruptions of the peace. Um, and he was taken into custody. Uh-huh. Um, later on, it was found out there was a false alarm. And uh, uh-huh. it, it was just because of orange netting. And it was like an illusion. It was like as if there was fire, but there was no fire at all. Oh. Um, just a little history about the Blackpool um, the Blackpool Tower, it was actually um, supposed to be, it was inspired by the Eiffel Tower, uh-huh. um, even though it's considerably much smaller, uh, but it was inspired by the Blackpool Tower, opened in ni- 1894, give or take, right really? about, about that time. So that, that suppose, long ago, Blackpool Tower, Blackpool it's 1894, okay. Yeah. okay. Supposedly caught on fire, but absolutely nothing afterwards. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay, interesting. Um, well... There's a number of stories uh, that have um, caught my eye. There's um, this about uh, the restoration of imperial measures. So um, you're too young to uh, to remember when we when we were able to use or we were supposed to use imperial measures only mm-hmm. before the metric system. But mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, now that we have uh, been out of the EU mm-hmm. for over seven years, there was a there was the prospect of ditching metric measures, mm-hmm. in which we weigh and measure our produce and restore the old traditional measures of pounds and ounces, or yards and feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was the aim of Boris Johnson before he left office and had initiated a consultation to decide. Now EU law had previously stated that traders had to display fresh produce with metric weights more prominently than pounds and ounces. Mr. Johnson wanted to defy this legislation, which no longer applied, he felt, to the UK, and rightly so, and declared that he wanted to bring back the ancient liberty of allowing shops which uh, measurements to use. Uh, So not exactly replacement of metric measures, but he wanted to promote uh, imperial measures a bit more. However, the consultation didn't deliver the desired result for our former prime minister, 98.7% 98.7% of traders were simply against the change. The government said that consumer confusion, increased costs for uh, businesses and barriers to international trade were the key issues along with overwhelming response against the increased use of imperial measures. Mm-hmm. The consultation involved a survey of more than 100,000 consumers, academics and businesses only just over 1% were in favor of the return of imperial measures. The government said that consumer confusion, increased costs for businesses, 
and uh, barriers to international trade and what I've uh, mentioned before were the reasons why this was the case. Minister for Enterprise Markets and Small Business, uh, Kevin Holinarki, Holinrake, uh, he said that innovation, freedom and choice, that's what today's announcement gives to producers and consumers alike. Our exit from the EU was all about moments just like this where we can seize new opportunities and provide a real boost to our great British wineries and further growing the economy. Currently, the UK has used a mix of imperial and metric measurements for decades, despite being in the EU for many years. Uh, speed limits are in miles per hour rather mm-hmm. than kilometers, and milk and beer, not relevant to us, of course, mm-hmm. but milk uh, is bought in, in pints. However, supermarket food packaging is mainly uh, in grams, while most soft drinks and other liquids on shop shelves are sold in liters. Imperial uh, measurements, which include feet, yards, pounds, ounces, and pints, came into use across Britain and its um, empire in the early uh, 19th century. However, most of these nations uh, later adopted the metric system. The metric system includes measurements such as centimeters, meters, kilometers, uh, grams, kilograms, milliliters, liters, and makes more logical sense. They are 1,000 meters in a kilometer, 1,000 grams in a kilogram. The decimalization also means that units are coherent with one another and conversions are made much easier. Imperial measures are uh, less simple. 16 ounces make a pound, for instance. 12 inches make a foot. Mm. 1,760 yards make a mile. So just as well, we kept the uh, status quo. Yeah. I don't know what you think. I mean, what's it, what's it like in Scotland? Scotland, we use a metric system. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. strong. Yeah, okay, it's the same. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You're not. Uh, you're not. Um, okay, so you're not partial to feet and uh, grams. Uh, oh, feet and um, pounds and ounces. Not pounds and ounces per se. Uh, feet. I think we use feet more than. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think. Um, meters. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. If if someone asked me my height, I would I would tell them in feet, not meters. So. Okay. I think I, th- I think that's that's the norm in Scotland as well. I believe so. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah, 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 okay. Yes, and at school you, you learn uh, imperial uh, we, we, measure, ways we do. of measuring? We yes, do. you we do. do. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. So you know this 12 inches to a foot well, and I, three, I did, three not feet anymore. To <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did, yeah. For people who are a bit older, it's, it's, it, the it's metric easier. system, although it's easier to, to deal with it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's. Um, it's difficult to um, uh, make an uh, conceive as to what uh, it really, um, what the implication really is. So, mm-hmm. you know, for example, uh, half a mile mm-hmm. means more to me than say five hundred meters or oh, really? whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. wow. And uh, a kilometer is. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, I don't like kilometers at <laughs> I all. I don't like kilometers either. Okay, I prefer miles. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes, and I prefer to buy things in uh, in pounds and ounces rather than in kilograms. Okay, right. I would be the opposite. I prefer okay. kilograms. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I think I have a better understanding yes. of that. And hmm, okay, but maybe our listeners have uh, their respective views on this. Yes, if they absolutely. they want to share, absolutely, then yeah. please uh, call zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can uh, post uh, a thought on. Uh, uh, um, What's the Twitter handle? What the, what's the X handle we have? Islam, Voice of Islam UK. Yes. Yes. yes okay, so, yes. thank you. <laughs> right. Um, this other story uh, also was quite interesting. Uh, this is the sad story of a father of, of two. Uh, he's a Christian Marriott who is said to have stopped to help 
an unconscious woman suffering from serious injuries following a brawl. While doing so, uh, it appears a car careered uh, into the crowd that had formed around this woman and hit people and killed Mr. Marriott, as well as injuring others. Uh, the incident took place a couple of uh, days ago in uh, Burngreave, uh, I think it's in Sheffield. Um, Mr. Marriott, 46, had been out walking with his uh, six and eight-year-old sons when he volunteered the, uh, his help. Uh, senior investigating officer, uh, Detective uh, Chief Inspector Andrew Knowles said, this is an utterly heartbreaking case in which a good Samaritan who had stepped in to help a stranger in their time of need has lost his life. Uh, Chris leaves behind a loving family, including his devastated wife and two young sons. We're absolutely determined to secure justice for Chris and his loved ones following this horrific tragedy. And um, he went on to say that increased patrols will con- continue in the area in the coming days. Local people will continue to see officers carrying out inquiries, including going house to house to gather written statements. Our thoughts and prayers are, of course, with the victims yeah. of this event, uh, family of Mr. Marriott, those who were injured as well. Mm. It is sad that during these festive times we have to suffer such tragedies. Many of these brawls and mishaps are due to overindulgence, uh, especially of alcohol. Uh, this is uh, when the refrain of the Holy Quran about consuming alcohol proves to be so wise. So many domestic incidents and road accidents are attributed to the misuse or overuse of alcohol, and countless lives are lost as a result. So let's hope that that day draws near when all in our society understand the greater harm inherent in this drug and moves to expunge it from use altogether so that we can all progress to a better future, devoid of such avoidable tragedies. Um, um, so let's hope that is the case. Yep. Okay. Um, there is something on, uh, on I don't know, how, let's, let's do this story. This is about uh, the revelations as to the plans that were afoot to uh, move Wimbledon football, uh, uh, football, yeah, Wimbledon FC, mm-hmm. so, okay, to Belfast. All right. So this is oh. the story. So the confidential papers uh, released uh, have included one dealing with a football club. Uh, this is Wimbledon FC in particular. Mm-hmm. In order to improve Northern Ireland's credentials as being part of the UK, there was an effort to try and move Wimbledon FC to Belfast. Previously, confidential uh, state papers included a note from the 19 uh, from 1997, which stated following up uh, following up earlier informal discussions about the possibility of an English Premier League football club relocating to uh, Belfast. A significant breakthrough if Belfast had a football team playing in the uh, in the Premier English Premier League. Mm. Uh, and the notes also said should be able to build a strong cross community support and provide a positive unifying uh, force in a divided city. Uh, and, and there was another suggestion as well. Mm. The notes suggested that uh, Wimbledon FC would undergo a name change to Belfast United. Mm. The club had needed uh, had needed to move uh, from their Plough Lane ground after the Taylor report into Hillsborough disaster was published in 1990. This is probably before your time, but there was a disaster in one of the football grounds. Mm. And as a consequence of that, it mm. was decided that all of a stadium, yeah. football stadium, had to be seated, oh. or had to have pre-seated. You don't, you mm. don't stand. So anyway, uh, and the, the ground that Wimbledon had was not big enough mm-hmm. uh, for that, or not uh, sufficient enough to cater for that requirement. Mm. Um, so... 
Wimbledon were relegated from the Premier League in 2000 and an FA arbitration hearing in 2002 gave the club permission to relocate Milton Keynes in 2004 mm-hmm. and they were uh, renamed MK Dons. Um, mm-hmm. Supporters of old Wimbledon FC formed a new club, AFC Wimbledon, who started in 2002. Uh, and uh, I think they, they are the ones that are operating uh, from Plough Lane. There, there is mm-hmm. a football uh, football uh, stadium there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably too young for this, but uh, I remember Wimbledon Football Club uh, mm-hmm. when they were in the top di- uh, top division. Really? Uh, we, we, yes, with due respect to their supporters, they were absolutely awful. <laughs> 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 and their, their, their leading tactic was to smash and grab, uh, epitomized yeah. by their uh, brutal defender, his name was Vinnie Jones. Oh, okay, well, Vinnie Jones, yeah. Yeah, who would have been more at home in a boxing ring than on a football pitch. Yeah. I mean, uh, they were really, uh, really, I mean, <laughs> violent. I mean, they would have been sent off, <laughs> all of them. Um, Vinnie Jones was an actor, right? He turned into... So he turned into, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he found uh, some fame through mm-hmm. uh, through the, what is it, silver screen. Yes. They say. So yes, he was uh, yes, but uh, okay. awful, awful player. Um, <laughs> but then I I say that with due respect. I know that there's some members of the community that were very uh, hardened supporters okay. of Wimbledon. Yes, okay. because Wimbledon happened to be uh, the closest um, uh, top team mm-hmm. or top league team uh, near the near the mosque, oh. the Fuzzle Mosque. Okay. So a uh, number of people then started to support that team, but. Um, yeah. They were all absolutely awful. Is it, uh, was it closer than Fulham? Hmm? Was it closer than Fulham? Yes, it was oh, closer okay. than Fulham, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. But nowadays I think people have gravitated to, yes, and Fulham are not, not too indecent. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pretty good. Uh, they're doing well. Yeah, they're doing well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, not as well as Arsenal, although oh, Arsenal yeah. lost yesterday. They, did, you, they did lose yesterday. So you follow football at all? Yeah, yes, oh, I am, yeah. yes, I am. I was, I was gutted yesterday when they oh, lost. I, see. I wasn't able to watch the match, but I was... Uh, I was hoping maybe um, they can come back um, as they usually do, um, yeah. as Arsenal. Arsenal yeah. recently, um, they're, they're they're becoming a last-minute yes. um, goal grabbers, I guess, yes. at the end. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case last no. night. Unfortunately, um, but, uh, so yeah. It's uh, surprising how well uh, West Ham defended. They well, were very, w- very good. West Ham are good, and um, yeah. especially after um, their star player uh, Declan Rice moved yeah. to the other side, um, yeah. to 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 the other side of London. And yeah. uh, I, th- I think there were certain chants directed towards Rice as well that you should have stayed instead of uh, moving <laughs> for the big money move to Arsenal. Did he actually give away a penalty? Was it I, Rice? I, I, I believe so. There was a penalty, but I, th- I think they missed the penalty. I think yes. they weren't able. It was last yeah. minute. It was very, it was very last minute. Um, yeah, it was last minute. So, so yes. Um, but I can't remember uh, who whether it was in this match or the other match. But I think it was Declan Rice yeah, and, yeah, and yes. He's an, so, amazing, he's an amazing player though, so yeah, you can't, he's, he's, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah, take that away right. from him. Yeah. Nothing like Willie Jones. Nothing, Nothing like Willie Jones. Like Willie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I think no player I think would last uh, if he was like Willie Jones, but oh, uh, no. yes. Anyway, we're coming up to 7.30, so that means that we have to uh, start uh, going through the uh, first of our main topics. Uh, this is regarding what's happening in the Middle East and uh, Gaza in particular. Um, the title um, of uh, this uh, particular segment or this particular story that we want to uh, dwell on a bit and discuss is, um, is there is no safe place. We sleep fearing we might be dead. 
Um, now, this is something we picked up from uh, the New York Times uh, website. Um, and the gist uh, of what is uh, presented is that life in Gaza remains deeply affected by relentless airstrikes, severe shortages of essentials, and extensive destruction of homes and hospitals. The conflict uh, has claimed over uh, 16,000 lives, leaving half of the buildings in the north damaged or destroyed. Civilians, particularly children, endure immense hardship and psychological trauma due to the perpetual fear of violence. Hospitals um, struggle or shut down, leaving many without vital medical care. Uh, those ceasefires offer temporary respite. Uh, the return of uh, bombing exacerbates the already precarious situation. Um, now, uh, one uh, point that uh, arises from this uh, conflict and what's going on is um, really about the impact of the daily lives and mental being of civilians. Uh, speaking during uh, his Friday sermon at the Mubarak Mosque in Islamabad uh, on 13th of October, His Holiness urged the Muslim world to set aside the differences in order to raise a voice for those innocent Palestinians who have no link to terrorism or extremism and said that major powers should prioritize the de-escalation and finding a just solution to the uh, conflict. Uh, His Holiness Mr. Ahmed said that for the past few days a war has ensued between Hamas and Israel. As a result, women, children and elderly have been killed and are continuing to lose their lives without any distinction. Reminding the Muslims of the Islamic injunctions, uh, His Holiness said, even in a state of war, Islam does not permit the killing of women, children, elderly and innocent civilians. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, um, uh, gave a strict instructions against doing so. In in this recent escalation of the war, His Holiness said Hamas made the first move and attacked Israeli citizens, leaving aside for a moment the fact that innocent people have been unjustly killed by the Israeli army. Muslims should ensure that they always adhere to the teachings of Islam. Uh, His Holiness also said that where the Israeli army has carried out injustices, that is on them. And there are better and lawful ways to address that. If there is a legitimate state of war, it should be entirely limited to the respective armies and never against innocent women, children, elderly and civilians. In this respect, uh, the action of Hamas took, uh, uh, the action that Hamas took must be condemned. Um, Speaking of the actions of the Israeli military, His Holiness said, whatever injustice and cruelty Hamas committed, the response to that uh, or war should have been restricted to Hamas. However, the indiscriminate response of the Israeli government is extremely dangerous and it seems that the conflict will not end here. In fact, it cannot even be imagined how many innocent women children, elderly and civilians will lose their lives. The Israeli government has suggested it will even it will, it will destroy Gaza and to this end they have carried out severe and overwhelming bombardment. They have turned the city to dust. Now the most recent development is that the Israeli government is telling uh, a million or so people to leave northern Gaza immediately. 
His Holiness again reminded uh, members of the fact that innocent children dying on both sides is completely wrong. And the world should not forget that Palestinian children are as innocent as the children in Israel. His Holiness also reminded um, members of the teachings uh, of the Jewish faith in relation to wars and said that the teachings of the people of the book is clear that killing innocent people is impermissible and that where Israel says that Hamas is killing innocent people, it should also see its own actions and judge whether it falls in line with its own religious teachings. Uh, a lot more can be said uh, about this, but um, mm -hmm. we are hoping to be joined by, um, uh, is it Tahmim Taqa? Yeah, Tahmim uh, Taqa. And uh, we'll be discussing this further, this whole matter further with him. Okay. Uh, just more on what uh, His Holiness has said. Um, his, um, uh, he said that he reminded Muslim governments of their responsibilities and said, in these circumstances, the uh, Muslims should at least uh, realize their responsibility and should pay heed. Uh, they must set uh, aside the differences and must establish the unity in order to um, better uh, their relationship with the people of the book. If Allah has given the commandment to the Muslims to call them towards a word equal between us and you, by uniting uh, over the by uniting over the unity of God, then Muslims who have the same creed should um, uh, should unite between themselves even more. Uh, so by setting aside the differences, they should ponder over this and should establish the unity. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, something from uh, uh, His Holiness. Uh, I'm pleased to note that uh, Mr. Tamim Waka is uh, with us. Uh, As-salamu alaykum, uh, Mr. Tamim. Wa alaykum as wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And let me just mention for the benefit of leader, uh, for our listeners that you're a, you're a scholar, theologian, imam, author, lecturer, poet, and a regular panelist on, on MTA. So thank you very much for coming on and uh, uh, speaking to us. Uh, can I begin by saying thank that... You, thank you for having me. Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you. No, a pleasure. Um, can I begin by asking you, there are a lot of Palestinian refugees in Jordan. Can you describe what the general feeling is among them concerning what is occurring in uh, Gaza currently? Mm -hmm. First of all, there is uh, some misconception needs to be clarified regarding the Palestinians in Jordan. Uh, Palestinians in Jordan are not, uh, the majority of them, the vast majority of them, are not refugees. Uh, and uh, that's because of the relation between Jordan uh, and Palestine. And originally, you know, this northern part of uh, the Arab Peninsula, or it, which is not part of the, the Arab Peninsula, but I mean to the part of the, to the north of the Arab Peninsula, which was called uh, Levant, Mm -hmm. which is in Arabic, Bilad al-Sham. Uh, it is a region, it is a big region. Uh, this region consists of the uh, recent uh, Jordan, Palestine, Syria, Lebanon, and big part of Iraq. So they are just the same people, first of all. But when Israel was established after the gangs of uh, uh, the Jewish uh, migrants, uh, established uh, uh, Israel in 1948 and started to attack uh, the Arab uh, towns and villages and cities, uh, the Palestinians started to migrate, first of all, and the majority of them 
to Palestinian territories inside the, the historical Palestine, which means in the uh, in, in the place between the river and the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, 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 there are two places actually, uh, or two regions inside Palestine, who were recovered and were not, and the Jews were not able to occupy them. First of all, uh, the West Bank, which is uh, adjacent uh, to Jordan, to the state of Jordan, and the other part, which is the Gaza Strip or Gaza Strip, which is uh, next or to Egypt. Uh, at that place, uh, I mean, um, in West Bank, many or the majority of refugees they migrated or uh, refused to West Bank, and uh, Gaza now also. Uh, the almost 75% of the population in Gaza are from other cities and towns which were occupied in 1948. Mm. In 1950, in 1950 actually, uh, Jordan and Palestine became uh, one state. It was the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, uh, and uh, West Bank was part of Jordan uh, officially. Uh, and uh, you know, before that, there were Palestinians there and here. Uh, and in 1967, after the occupation, the, the other invasion of Israelis uh, to, uh, towards Jordan, Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, uh, the, uh, let's say, uh, the Palestinians, many of them displaced from West Bank to uh, East Bank, and they were originally there. In general, I just, I just wanted to give this historical background regarding the situation, because mm-hmm. uh, the uh, let's say the Palestinian and Jordanian identity are so much um, mixed. Um, so uh, let's say for the Arabs in general, it is a cause. The Palestinian cause is part of uh, the, uh, or it is the the Arabs' cause for all of the Arabs, but uh, especially in Levant and especially in Jordan. The relation between the Jordanians and the uh, and Palestine, it's uh, family relations. It's uh, very um, close ties between them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you touched upon the history. What was the difference between the influx of uh, Jewish settlers in 1948 and subsequently, as opposed to those Jewish settlers that had lived in in this area uh, uh, for for centuries you mean the jewish who are living in for centuries i'm saying that in arab countries uh, jews uh, were able to live peacefully uh, uh, in these countries for centuries but you're saying that in 1948 when uh, there was an influx of jews then uh, they started um, raiding uh, Muslim, uh, uh, these, um, yeah, Muslim settlements, Arab settlements. What's the difference between the influx of Jews in 1948 as opposed to the influx of Jews before? Uh, actually, uh, what's happened before, the Jews, actually, they were minorities. There were minorities of Jews uh, in many different uh, countries, actually, uh, Arab countries. Uh, and you can say, by the way, um, the majority of Jews uh, or uh, of these minorities, they were in Morocco, they were in Egypt, they were in uh, Iraq, but in Palestine it was a very little number of uh, Jews before uh, 1948, or I mean before even the 
uh, 20th century. But mm. what's happened, this influx just happened after the uh, plan of uh, the Zionists to establish Israel in Palestine, which was started, which was started earlier, by the way, uh, but I mean uh, after the British colony uh, for uh, Levant, uh, and uh, after Palestine became under the, the British colony, uh, the British uh, facilitated this through um, bringing large numbers of uh, migrants or refugees from Europe. Uh, Jewish uh, refugees, and they brought them to Palestine, and they favored them, and they gave them the ability to be uh, armed, uh, and uh, there were uh, gangs of uh, the Jewish who were even uh, categorized by the British as terrorists, like Ergon, Stern, Haganah, and they started even to attack the, the British at that time, and to attack the, the Arabs. Mm -hmm. So it was, let's say, the Zionist plan to establish uh, Israel, and in the proper time when they knew that uh, the, the Jews are able uh, to uh, establish Israel, the British just left Palestine. Right. So it was the ideology that was different post-1948. People were there uh, observing the, the Zionist, uh, or Jews were the, observing the Zionist ideology, which was to obtain land exclusively for, for Jews. Yes, That's the difference between, between the Jews that were able to settle peacefully before and what happened after, after 1948. I know you're saying that Zionism is something that started a lot more in the turn of the century, but it, uh, it, oh. uh, it took shape after after 1948 my colleague also has some by the, questions. By yes. just 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 i want to clarify something very mm. important before that actually the jews they were just uh, a normal citizens mm. as we have christians we have jews we have uh, more uh, you know the, the muslims are the majority but uh, the the jews uh, who were living in the arab world they were not having any problem with the arabs mm. they were just mm. like the christians they were living peacefully, and they were mm. part of uh, the the, uh, the mm. textile of the population. Mm. But after the Zionism, the Zionism actually uh, ignited hatred against uh, against uh, the the, yeah. the Muslims, and uh, also up till today, by the way, there were some groups of Jews who uh, were refrained from going to uh, the uh, to Israel, like for example in Yemen, there is a big group there of Jews, not very big, I mean, but big. Uh, regarding the um, the major the minorities, I mean uh, mm. scale, who are still living in Yemen and they do not want to go there. And there are also some Moroccans who are still living in Morocco mm. and in Tunisia. The same also. Mm. Yes, no, no, I know. I know uh, I've been speaking to some Orthodox Jews. They're very much against uh, this Zionist uh, project, vehemently against yes. it. Um, so it's mm. not. Um, uh, I think it's important to clarify that it's not a. It's not a conflict between Muslims and Jews. It's a conflict between uh, Arabs and Zionists, and it's not all Jews exactly. uh, and Zionists. Yeah. Um, uh, my my friend, uh, my colleague here uh, also wants to ask a few questions if you don't mind. Um, yes, please. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Um, may the wa peace, wa may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, uh, Tamim Sahib. Um, I hope you're doing well. Um, my thank question. Oh, no, th th thank you so much. I, I just wanted to ask, what, what time is it in Jordan right now? 
I am in Amman, in the capital. Okay, okay. So, 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 so what time is it over there? What's the time? Uh, what's the time? Uh, by the way, I'm sorry because the, the voice is not so clear. Okay, sorry. I don't know what's happened. Maybe, maybe you need to to do something regarding the, the international calls. Okay, okay. It's not so clear. Uh, the time now it's uh, quarter to eleven. Okay, okay. So it's not not not, not too bad. Um, so my, my my question for you is uh, how important is it for us to come together and join hands in support of Palestine? Actually, it is very important. First of all, uh, as I have uh, said, uh, this is not the case for the Palestinians. And Palestinians are part of the Arab uh, nation, mm-hmm. and the Arab nation are part of the Muslim nation. Mm-hmm. And exactly as Khalifa uh, al-Masih II uh, said uh, um, at that time, when um, I mean by 1948, he said that it's not the case for Palestinians and not the case for the Arabs. Is the case for the Muslims everywhere, and this is the case for the dignity of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Because, uh, and it is also, he said, it is not the case for uh, Jerusalem uh, and uh, uh, just uh, the Palestinian land. It is the case for Mecca and Medina, hmm. which means we, as Muslims in general, we should remember that it is not something we can say. Uh, not, uh, which means irrelevant to, to 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 Muslims if they are distant from that place. This is regarding Muslims, I mean. Mm. But I mean also regarding humanity. Mm. It is actually very important for the humanity in general to understand that what's going on in Palestine now, actually it is devastating for every humanitarian, actually, uh, morals and ethics, and also it is driving the whole world into, uh, you can say, maybe um, unexpected a future, which might be um, uh, very, very, you can say, very uh, dark uh, future for, mm-hmm. for the, human, the human beings. Mm-hmm. Because this great transgression, mm-hmm. this great injustice, this great you know, prejudice, this great, uh, you can say, uh, bigot against uh, the, the, the Arabs and the Palestinians, mm-hmm. which is uh, now running, and uh, how the Western uh, governments became very hypocrite, actually, mm-hmm. and how they uh, showed uh, that, uh, I mean, uh, this sort of, uh, you can say, acts, and sometimes silence and sometimes also support for what's going on. Actually, that's, you can, we can consider as human beings, it's, uh, uh, you, uh, it is a danger for the whole human uh, future mm-hmm. and uh, the, the future for mankind and on the, uh, on the ground, uh, on the earth, mm-hmm. uh, planet earth. So it is very important for, to everybody. Yeah. For Muslims, I mean, uh, as uh, this is the case for the, the Arabs and Muslims, and for all of human beings, actually, mm. to come together and to solve this problem with justice and to remove all of these transgressions and these uh, uh, bad acts which are uh, running on. 
Mm, thank you so much. That's, that's very well put. Thank you so much, Tamim Sahib. Uh, respected Tamim. Um, I, I wanted to ask, um, finally, um, um, regarding the conviction of the Palestinians in, in Palestine, you know, enduring in, in the conflict over there, the atrocities that, are, that are, um, are, are occurring over there. Could you just talk about the conviction of the Muslims over there in light of uh, everything that's happening? Uh, sorry again, I, I so, couldn't catch. Uh, yep, yep. So, so I, I was referring to the conviction, so the faith that the Muslims have, even though that they are um, uh, going through such atrocities in in Palestine. If you can just touch upon the the faith that the Muslims uh, have. Uh, actually, regarding the atrocities, actually, and what's going on. Uh, these atrocities, actually, uh, I don't. I, I know maybe if somebody, if anybody is watching the news, then he could uh, very easily uh, understand what's what's going on. So these atrocities, actually, uh, you know, it was very clear. The the Israeli uh, officials they pronounced very clearly that they are now committing <laughs> genocide and ethnic cleansing for Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, you, you'll find uh, it is a, a little bit strange, but actually, by the way, at the beginning, the, the Israeli uh, president, he said, he said at the beginning, actually, there are no civilians in, in Gaza, and everybody is uh, responsible for what's happened by uh, 7th of October. Mm-hmm. And you know, the UN Secretary General, he said, <laughs> the 7th of October didn't come from vacuum, didn't happen uh, of vacuum. That's happened because there is an occupation since, and atrocities has happened, started uh, 75 years ago. And, uh, you know, uh, and also the occupation, which is this, uh, since almost 50, 56 years for the Palestinian territories, uh, which are uh, uh, occupied in 1967. Uh, and this is for, for the Israeli president and for the prime minister, he was rude enough mm-hmm. to say that we are following the teachings of the Bible mm-hmm. and according to what Isharia has mentioned the, uh, in, in the Bible, don't spare anybody from Amalek. Mm. You should kill. Uh, he said we are, he didn't mention, I mean, the, the, uh, the quotation, he didn't call, take the quotation, but the quotation of Amalek, that means you should kill every man, woman, and children, mm-hmm. and you don't spare anything. You spare anyone, you mm-hmm. know? including so animals. For them, they are doing they are doing systematic genocide, systematic ethnic cleansing, and according to international law, by the way, there are two pillars for the genocide to be to categorized as genocide. First of all, the intention, and second, what's going uh, on on the ground. So regarding that, the Israelis actually, they announced very clearly they have this intention of genocide, and uh, this is what they are doing. By the way, it's not, <laughs> as some people, they might say, especially in the mainstream uh, media and in the West, they say uh, the, the civilians are killed because of indiscriminate uh, bombing. It's not indiscriminate bombing, bombing by the way. Mm-hmm. It's a targeting bombing for civilians. Mm-hmm. The Israelis, they want to kill as many as Palestinians they can, and that's in order to terrorize the Palestinians to evacuate Gaza. Mm-hmm. And they said they should be driven to Sinai 
uh, desert. And actually the situation there is by description. Uh, you, you cannot, even if you know, if you watch the news, maybe you should get some idea. But we, as in touch with the people there, actually, hmm. the situation is really actually by description. Hmm. Everything is not available. There is no food, no water, no water, no medical services. The Israelis systematically actually destroyed everything. Destroyed almost now more than 70% of the houses. Hmm. Destroyed all of the hospitals. And uh, they are not, by the way, they are not targeting uh, military uh, premises or military uh, targets in Gaza because simply the uh, Hamas is just militant group. I mean, the, the resistance, uh, the, uh, the Palestinian resistance are just uh, groups and they are mainly having their facilities and premises under the ground. So, for example, when they said uh, Ashifa Hospital, which is the biggest hospital mm-hmm. in Gaza, this hospital, uh, under it, uh, there is uh, a, the main center uh, for command and control for uh, Hamas. Uh, after they invaded the area and after they destroyed everything, they couldn't give any proof of their claims. Uh, so, they, um, for the sake of, or let's, let's, say, let's say, to justify this damage and to make Gaza not uh, to be not to be uh, not be uh, um, let's say available and not uh, uh, the people cannot live and live in Gaza. They want to create a situation to make Gaza not livable, which means mm. nobody can live there. Yeah. Uh, so they destroy everything. They make the life to be impossible there, mm. and this is what they are continuing doing it, and uh, they are terrorizing the people by this mass killing, mass murder, and uh, genocide, which are doing every day, systematically. Um, Mr. Damir, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of uh, the goings-on in the United Nations and the support that Israel is getting from one or two parties in particular. How, how do you see the future unfolding? How do you see this uh, ending? Actually, uh, the problem is that actually, maybe this uh, situation will stay for some some weeks. I mean, the systematic killing will will uh, stay for some some time. But as Israelis are starting to uh, take uh, uh, major casualties in Gaza, uh, this will make them to change. Uh, their uh, strategy, not the strategy, I mean their tactics uh, in Gaza, and they will stop uh, maybe after some time, but mm-hmm. after leaving Gaza, uh, not livable, as I, as I have said. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, let's say it will not be uh, uh, folded, I mean, uh, until more atrocities will happen, uh, but in general, you know, we don't know uh, how Allah, inshallah, will uh, elevate the situation for the people of Gaza. Mm. But uh, I mean, everything is getting much, much worse than we could imagine. But uh, finally, we know there is a pinnacle, there is a limit for everything. Mm. Uh, they cannot, for, uh, for sometimes they cannot kill as much as they can, uh, as they have done now. Mm. And they mm. cannot make the situation much worse. But uh, in general, actually, the world, the whole world should call 
out and uh, should uh, try to find uh, a, an, an exit for, for this uh, disaster because the people are keep dying and uh, they are killed and they are dying because of now the lack of food, the lack of uh, uh, medical care. Uh, there are now diseases and uh, uh, and major infections are uh, spreading among the people. So the situation actually, as I have said, is very bad. <laughs> so we cannot imagine something worse mm. is going to happen mm. more than, than what's going on. So things can only get better is what you're saying. So I hope that is, uh, that is the case and we can see an end of the conflict very, very soon. Thank you very much for joining us. I wish you all the best uh, in the future. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. But I'm sorry because because I don't know what's uh, uh, regarding the voice. Sometimes mm. it's not so clear. No, no, it was so, fine. Uh, you were fine with us. Uh, okay. uh, yes, you are okay. very clear. Just Thank you very much. Okay. Assalamualaikum. Thank you very much. Right. Um, uh, yes. Um, so the uh, situation is very dire in uh, in that part of the world, and I just want to end this particular part of the program with what uh, His Holiness has said. He said we should lay great focus on our prayers. We should pray for the end to the suppression and strive to end it uh, in our remits. Uh, we should pray both for the oppressed Muslims and for the establishment of a comprehensive and long-term mm. strategy by Muslim governments. There should uh, be a profound pain in our hearts for Muslims to be alleviated of hardships. We believe in that promised Messiah who, despite their opposition to us, expressed in a Persian couplet. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to the breakfast show of the Voice of Islam with Imam uh, Jalis uh, Khan and myself, Walid Ahmed. The time is two minutes past eight. It's Friday, the 29th of December, 2023. We were discussing uh, earlier before the break the conflict in uh, Gaza. And I just wanted to end that particular part of the program with uh, a couple of quotes from His Holiness that are relevant. Uh, His Holiness said that Israeli government officials say Hamas killed our innocents, hence we will seek revenge. This revenge has now exceeded all limits. The loss of Palestinian lives, as reported, is four to five times greater than the loss of Israeli lives. If their aim is to eliminate Hamas, as they say they so claim, then they should directly combat them why are they killing women, children, and the elderly? They have also deprived people of water, sustenance, and medical care. This is where all claims to human rights and rules of warfare cease to exist when it comes to these governments. And he also said um, that true justice uh, requires presenting all affairs. Let the world determine who the oppressor and the oppressed are, to what extent this war is warranted, and at what point it should end. All the state of affairs should be presented to the world as opposed to presenting merely one-sided coverage. And his holiness also finally said that we should lay great focus on our prayers. We should pray for the end to this oppression and strive to, the, to end it uh, in our remits. 
uh, we should pray both for the oppressed Muslims and for the establishment of a comprehensive and long-term strategy by Muslim governments. There should be a profound pain in our hearts for Muslims to be alleviated of hardships. We believe in that Messiah who, despite their opposition to us, expressed in a Persian couplet that, O my heart, be considerate towards them, for they claim to love um, for my prophet, a peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Therefore, our love for the Holy Prophet of Islam demands that we pray intensely for Muslims. May Allah grant us the ability to do so and also uh, to the Muslims. He May he bestow wisdom upon the world. Amen. So that's, I think, a fitting way to end that particular uh, part of the program, that particular item. We now swiftly have to move on to the next one, which is uh, Christmas and its commercialization. Um, Imam Jalil will actually, uh, will actually give us um, the uh, Islamic angle to this subsequently and also uh, talk to one of our experts. But uh, let me just uh, introduce this um, particular segment or this particular part of the program um, by saying that um, this particular item has been sourced from the Britannica website and it says that Christmas uh, Christian festivals celebrating the birth of Jesus. This is what is uh, defined as the English term Christmas is of fairly recent origin. Uh, the earlier term Yule uh, may have uh, derived from the Germanic Yule or the Anglo-Saxon Yule, uh, Yule which uh, referred to the feast of the winter solstice. Uh, the corresponding terms in other language, Navidad in uh, Spanish, Natale in uh, Italian, Noel in fr- uh, French, all probably denote uh, nativity. Uh, the German word Weihachten um, uh, denotes hallowed night. Uh, Weihnachten uh, denotes hallowed night. Uh, since the early 20th century, Christmas has also been a secular family holiday observed by Christians and non-Christians alike, devoid of Christian elements and marked by an increasingly elaborate exchange of gifts. In this secular Christmas celebration, a mythical figure named Santa Claus plays the pivotal role. Um, so this um, basically is by way of an introduction. Um, one question that is uh, perhaps uh, worthy of consideration is uh, how other people who are not Christians, I mean, this is primarily um, a festival that marks the birth of Jesus, how people who are not Christians, especially Muslims, are they should um, uh, address uh, these kind of celebrations. So on this, His Holiness Azat uh, Mizatayr Ahmed, the late Azat Mizatayr Ahmed had this to say. So let's uh, look at what this clip has to offer. Why don't we celebrate Christmas? Well, because you can't celebrate the days uh, of every religion. You follow Islam, so you follow the days of Islam to be celebrated. Otherwise, it will be impossible for you to cope with the celebrations of all the religions of the world. Why not holy? of Hindus and so are so many other uh, traditional days of celebration of other religions. So because we belong to Islam and because Christmas is a religious celebration, not just an ordinary celebration, so we don't participate in that. But we are not too narrow-minded. If they are Christian friends, 
we do send them presents and there's no harm in it. If they invite us to a, a bite of turkey, there's no harm in, in eating of, of the turkey or sharing their Christmas cake or even presenting some some gift to some Christian friend. There's no harm in such things. But it being a religious affair, as such, you should not celebrate it because you, your religion is not Christianity, it is Islam. Got it? Good. You see, there was one young boy here in England who, when I came here, after two years perhaps, there was Christmas, and just by way of joking, I asked him, did you also celebrate Christmas? The answer was a positive yes. We did. I said, how? The rest of the jokes has to be told in Urdu, because otherwise in English it will lose its meaning and charm. So I said, Tumne kistra Christmas manai? Tumne kaha ke meri ummi ki dost ne do bachche diye the. To unko khane par bula liya tha. You know, <laughs> Now, this can't be translated in English. Uh, yes, it's quite right. It can't be translated in English. I don't know whether you want to have a go. <laughs> no, if he can do it, um, yes. Um, well, um, we are waiting. Uh, I think uh, we will be joined uh, by Sayyid Mashud Ahmed uh, shortly. Uh, Sayyid Mashud Ahmed is uh, a scholar, in my view, because he's studied Christianity in great depth. And uh, also uh, uh, attained a master's in biblical studies, so it'll be interesting to talk to him about this. Um, um, yes. Um, so Christmas is um, is uh, commercialized very much so, mm -hmm. and uh, this is the case uh, uh, currently. And many people, even though they do um, uh, cons consider themselves to be Christians, uh, do not uh, feel that there is a, a religious. Uh, connection that they need to commemorate mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, but some people don't take it seriously there's uh, this mass that takes place in uh, in churches and cathedrals mm -hmm. uh, during that time so the religious obligations is certainly observed um, what else can we say about this then uh, um, Imam uh, if you want to add anything yes of course of course um, I we do have to take into consideration that the primary basis of Christmas is to commemorate the birth of Jesus, or Prophet Jesus, okay. may peace be upon him, um, which many Christians believe to be the 25th of December. Hmm. Uh, but I think it's worth mentioning here, maybe Sayyid Mashoud, uh, respected Sayyid Mashoud, can also um, highlight this when he comes in. Yeah, he's on. Oh, he's on? He's Perfect. On, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Then I guess we can start with him then. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, um, the, the, interestingly enough, the Encyclopedia Britannica mentions that uh, the early Christians did not celebrate his birth and no one knows on which date Jesus was actually born. So mm. maybe something, this is something that Sayyid okay. Mashud, um, respected Sayyid Mashud, can shed a light on. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Mashud sahab, how are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Okay. Alhamdulillah, yourself? No, uh, fine, thank you. Imam Jalis is on a roll here. He wants to, <laughs> he's got his questions ready. Uh, I'm sure you'll be, uh, you'll be more than a match for uh, answering them. 
Go ahead. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, peace and blessings of uh, Allah be upon you, uh, respected brother uh, Sayyid Mashud. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Alhamdulillah. Yourself? Yes. Good, good. All good. That's good. Uh, yes. Um, Alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm, I'm very well. Um, yes. Yeah, so as uh, <laughs> as I was saying that, um, so the Encyclopedia Britannica actually puts it as if um, that Jesus was actually not even born on the 25th of December. Could you sh- shed some light on this as well, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess... When it comes to, I mean, we have two things, I guess. We have the year of birth and the month of the birth. Mm-hmm. Would you, do you want, do you want to talk about the month or the year? What do, what do you want to do? I think if we can touch upon both, maybe. Uh, go, go go from the month and then go towards the year, maybe. That'll be good. Yeah, sure. Okay, then. So, interestingly, um, the Holy Quran actually gives some hints to when roughly in the year Jesus was, was, was born. Uh, in chapter 19, in Surah Maryam, mm-hmm. Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes into labor. Uh, and as the pain intensifies, she cries out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and immediately an angel comes to comfort her mm-hmm. and instructs her to shake a palm tree where she can strengthen herself with some, some fresh, ripe grape, uh, dates. So that all kind of points towards the summer months, not the winter months, as, mm-hmm. as, as winter would be. Um, what about the Gospels? Mm-hmm. So... There's four Gospels in total. Uh, two of them talk about the, the birth of Jesus. That's Matthew and Luke, the first and the third Gospel. There's two different versions of the birth as mm-hmm. well. We can go into that when we come in towards the year. But mm-hmm. the, the third Gospel, Luke, talks, uh, mentions, gives, again, give, doesn't give, give a direct date, but gives hints to when roughly he was born. Uh, and it talks about shepherds mm-hmm. who were outside with their flock. That's not surprising. That happens in the winter. But what's interesting is that Luke says that the shepherds were camping outside, Mm. Mm. i.e. staying outside. Now, temperatures in winter in Nazareth or Bethlehem get pretty cold because it just Mm. drops down to like the single figures at night. So it's very unlikely that shepherds would be camping outside in the cold. That would most likely happen towards the warmer months, again, towards the summer months. So those are the kind of hints we have in the Bible. Otherwise, it's pretty silent mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the months of, of when he was born. Yep. Um, the year is quite interesting as well, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's worthwhile touching upon. Yeah. Um, most, if you ask most Christians now, or, or not even Christians, anybody, when was Jesus born mm-hmm. in the, the year? They'll say oh, about 2,000 years ago, maybe the year zero, some people will say. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, there, there is no year zero. Uh, the Gregorian calendar has like two time sections, one yeah. before Christ and one after Christ. One before Christ is called B.C., and then you have A.D., Anno yeah. Domini, after Christ. Uh, it jumps from 1 B.C. straight to 1 A.D., and most will say that Jesus was born around 1 A.D., mm-hmm. say, or the year 1 A.D. Um, but again, what does the Bible say, or what does anything, do we have any hints about this? We have, we have mm-hmm. pretty good hints of when Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, we have um, a, a terrible story, but it talks about the the Jewish king Herod mm-hmm. the first, or the great Herod the Great, yeah. who in fact tries to kill and murder the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. He found um, he finds out about the three magi or wise men. Have you heard of the three wise men? Yes, I've heard of that in the, yes. in the nativity plays. Of course. So these guys, the, these wise men or magi, come mm-hmm. from the east. They, to find the baby Messiah. 
mm-hmm. they follow some sort of magical star or, or, or something. But Herod, the king, finds out about the, the wise men and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, he felt threatened by the birth of, G, of the Messiah. And he tells the Messiah, look, once you find the baby Jesus, tell me as well, and I'll go and pay him homage. Mm-hmm. But in reality, he wanted to, to kill the baby. Yeah. The Magi weren't so easily tricked. I mean, they were wise men, after all, and they found the baby Jesus, but they kept it his identity secret. Yeah. Herod sees that, yeah, he's tricked, he's furious, and then he murders, he orders a mass murder mm-hmm. of all the babies in the region. A horrible story. Mm-hmm. Um, historically unlikely to have happened, to be honest. But nonetheless, it shows that Jesus was born while Herod was still alive. Hmm. Now, Herod died in the year 4 BC. Oh. So Jesus must have been born a year or two before his death, making his birth around 4 or 6 BC. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. Luke, though, the third gospel, throws a spanner in the works. Uh, according to this gospel, okay. Jesus was born after the appointment of the governor of Syria, Quirinus. Mm-hmm. Quirinus was made the governor of Syria in 6 AD. Oh. That's the full 10 years after Matthew yeah. says Jesus was born. So when was, what year was he born? Not sure. We don't know. One gospel says the year 6 BC. The other gospel says the year 6 AD, a full mm. 10 years after. So... You choose. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew may well be more accurate, but th- that's the kind of discrepancy we have, and that's the kind of issue. But it was around that time, I guess. That was fascinating. What's the yeah. consensus among scholars? Matthew is probably has a bit more of a preference, mm-hmm. uh, in all honesty. Luke's account of the governor of Quirinus um, and, his, and his census he wanted to, has a lot of historical problems with it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, Matthew's story of Herod the Great killing baby Jesus has also historical issues. Mm-hmm. There isn't really a consensus, but most scholars would prefer Matthew's account uh, over Luke's. So mm-hmm. most likely Jesus was born a few years before in the BC mm-hmm. region, I would say. That's fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Um, I think I think another really significant finger uh, during Christmas time, uh, during this time of the year, is uh, Santa Claus and even possibly um, as as he might be referred to as Saint Nick Saint, Saint Nicholas? Uh, could you yeah. just, could you just shed some light on the differences or the <clears throat> like? Wh- who is Santa Claus and who is Saint Nicholas? Yeah, and and, and about Christmas, I guess. So I guess mm. I, mean, I think you you touched upon it before, and you you cited the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica yeah. about the early disciples. <clears throat> You're totally right. No disciples are known to have celebrated the birth of Jesus. It doesn't mean that they didn't, mm-hmm. but we have no records of it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if they did, surely somebody would have written it down, or at least the early Christians would have written it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the date is pretty important as well, mm-hmm. uh, the 25th of December. Now, some many people say the 25th of December was chosen by later Christians mm-hmm. since it was a festival date yeah. um, for the Romans to celebrate the winter solstice. Hmm. Maybe, uh, I mean, maybe we, we, we know for sure that Julius Caesar hmm. established the 25th of December as the date of the winter solstice in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was some 40 years before Jesus. So regarding Christmas and the date, I mean, I should, I probably should have touched upon this a bit earlier as well. Mm-hmm. But what do we know about the date itself? Did the early Christians or later Christians, when did they start celebrating the date? Mm-hmm. Um, the earliest reference we have of Christians celebrating 
the, the birth of Jesus is around the year 200 A.D. Hmm. That's around 200 years after Jesus was around when he was born. Hmm. Uh, and that's Clement of Alexandria. Hmm. So he talks about it, uh, and uh, he says a certain Egyptian Christian celebrated it, but they celebrated it on the, on, in May, on the 20th of May. Hmm. That's pretty interesting in the beginning. In the yeah. beginning, had it, had it in May. A little later, about 100 years or so later, in Cyprus, another church father talks about Jesus being born, not in May, but on 6th of January. Mm-hmm. And then a, f- a few decades later after that, another Christian, John Chrysostom, uh, has a big uh, preach uh, sermon in Antioch, and that's when he makes it the 25th of December. Okay. And that's when it's stuck. So what happens, I mean, what we do know is that there was a big Roman celebration on the 25th of December mm-hmm. before Jesus. Christians then later on celebrated it in May. Others celebrated it in January. And then later they became sort of celebrating on the 25th of December. And that date stuck. Mm-hmm. The Roman celebration disappears. So again, the, the the kind of the readers can make up their mind exactly what happened. I, I don't know, but these these are kind of facts you can say. Why why do um, Greek Orthodox still celebrate Christmas on the sixth of January? Some do, yeah. So this is where mm. this is quite interesting. So again, we have some of the earliest ones. Um, I mean, it's the second date that that we can, that we came across. Uh, Epiphanius was a church father. He celebrates it on the sixth of January. So they may well have carried on that tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of the sixth of January, mm-hmm. exactly how I mean how is, how they carried it on and didn't follow the rest. I'm not totally sure, mm-hmm. but John Chrysostom was kind of preaching in Antioch in in, in Europe more or less, mm-hmm. uh, and the kind of Roman Church did well. Not sure, the Roman Empire kind of divided, I guess, in the East and the West. Mm-hmm. So 25th of December became more concrete uh, in the West, while some of the Eastern ones may well have kept some of the earlier dates, uh, and 6th of January was, was one of them. Can you also shed some light on the other traditions that are associated with, uh, with Christmas, things like yeah, uh, the Christmas well, tree, those uh, well, Yeah, I mean, we had Santa Claus as well. I mean, do you want to... Santa Claus is pretty interesting. Should we go into that, or do you want to go into no, the... No, I, I, mean, thought, I thought you covered Santa Claus, but go I ahead. Apologies, I haven't. So Santa <laughs> Claus, I mean, I think uh, the mom had mentioned St. Nicholas <laughs> earlier, didn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's right. Um, St. Nicholas was a St. Omira in the 4th century, uh, a pious saint uh, in, in Christianity. Um, his tradition was kind of made its inroad into American popular culture hmm. towards the end of the 18th century. So around 1773, uh, a newspaper reported in New York that certain uh, groups of Dutch families would honor the anniversary of his death of St. Nicholas. Hmm. Uh, in Dutch, his Dutch name was Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. That became into like Santa Claus, potentially. Mm-hmm. Father mm-hmm. Christmas is pretty interesting. Um, potentially dates back to the 16th century in England, mm-hmm. during the reign of Henry VIII, when he's pictured as a big man with, in green and scarlet robes, mm-hmm. lined with fur and stuff. His physical appearance does this vary as well, but Charles Dickens has a, in his family, famous festival classic, the, a, crystal, a Christmas Carol, mm-hmm talks about a really big man in green coat mm-hmm. uh, taking Scrooge amongst the streets of, of, of London on Christmas morning and sprinkling the essence of, Christ, of Christmas mm-hmm. to the people. These two figures are later on merged into one. So now we have Santa Claus and we have uh, Father Christmas becoming one 
person. Mm-hmm. Um, some scholars believe that Santa Claus, the Father Christmas, was a figure borrowed from the Norse mythology, from the one-eyed all-father Odin, mm-hmm. father of the famous god of thunder, Thor. So some of your listeners mm-hmm. might watch some Marvel <laughs> movies or, or comics know Thor and, and Odin. So Odin is described like that. He's described as riding his eight-legged horse at night and visiting people with gifts. Maybe, maybe Santa Claus was, was originated from there. I, I don't fully know, but mm-hmm. it's a possibility. And then you have all the other traditions that, that you mentioned as well. I mean, you have, you have elves. They make their way around the ni- end, end of the 19th century, mm-hmm. where American, American novelist, uh, her name was Louisa May Alcott, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wrote a book. She never actually published it, but it was called Christmas Elves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where she mentions elves. And then you have another famous magazine called the Goldie Magazine, which had a picture of Santa Claus with toys and elves. Mm-hmm. Not, not much more is known about that. Uh, I'll quickly brush up into the other ones, the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, the use of evergreen trees, wreaths and garlands to symbolize eternal life was a common custom amongst mm-hmm. the Egyptians, mm-hmm. Chinese and, and the Israelites as well. Um, tree worship was very common amongst pagan Europe's, uh, Europeans, mm-hmm. and that seemed to potentially have made its way into Christianity, uh, decorating the house um, and, with, in, and the barn with evergreens of the New Year to scare away the devil mm-hmm. was very common uh, around that time. Stockings, interestingly, St. Saint, Saint Nicholas, where we talked about earlier, St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. he would often go, there's a story of him going in the streets and throwing bags of coins, gold open windows and they would land in stockings. Mm-hmm. So that may well have followed that tradition. Um, Santa Claus coming down chimney, yeah. again, that's Odin, the, the god. Mm-hmm. Um, he would enter chimney uh, to fire people through chimneys. Um, you have an Italian tradition called Befana, where a gift-giving witch would often come down chimneys as well to give children gifts. These are just the possible, possible origins. Yeah. I mean, but one thing for sure, we know for sure, is unfortunately none of these go back to Jesus or the Bible. These are just mm-hmm. very late traditions, often pagan traditions, yeah. that have made its way in, in, into a lot of, Christi- a lot of um, the celebration now, unfortunately. So, Are there any traditions that uh, can be traced back to Jesus and his disciples? Uh, not that I know of, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The Christmas, no. They, none of them celebrated his birthday. I mean, we it was for at least, for, for at least 200 years, nobody mm-hmm. mentioned any celebrations. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I guess Easter has more commonality, not mm-hmm. the Easter bunny, but the, the Eucharist and, and, and the Lord's Supper, I guess you can say, that has mm-hmm. some potential origins back to the Bible. Not, I wouldn't say to, the, to Jesus, mm-hmm. but to the Bible at least. Yeah. But Christmas, unfortunately, has lost a lot. Of, I think a lot of Christians basically celebrate it as the nativity. They celebrate his birth, mm. reading mm. the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. Mm-hmm. But um, other parts are, yeah. Okay, late. great. No, thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, that's that's been very informative, and certainly opened our eyes and uh, give give an explanation to certain things that we're familiar with but never really fully understood. So thanks yeah. very much for that. No problems at all. Okay, thank you. And I wish you all thank the you. best. Thank you. you Bye. Too. Salam 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 Salam. Right. That's Sayyid Mishud Ahmed, uh, I would say an expert on, on Christmas and uh, the historical aspects and yep. the factual aspects of Christmas. Yep. Um, 
Is there any anything that you want to add, uh, Imam Jalis? Yes, yeah. I, I do believe um, the respected brother Said Mashoud um, has covered very extensively, very comprehensively, um, mm. more or less everything. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning. Um, it's, a, it's a Scottish uh, anthropologist, uh, Sir James George Fraser. And he kind of unravels and explains the uncanny similarities between pagan traditions and Christmas. So this is something that Sayyid Mashud uh, actually touched upon, mm-hmm. uh, referring to this tradition as pagan. And uh, so, um, so Sir James George Fraser uh, states, it was a custom of the heathen to celebrate on the same 25th of December, the birthday of the sun, at which they kindled lights in token of festivity in these solemnities and festivities, the Christians also took part accordingly when the doctors of the church perceived that the Christians had a leaning to this festival. They took counsel and resolved that the true nativity should be solemnized on that day. Thus it appears that the church, so the Christian church, chose to celebrate the birthday of its founder on the 25th of December in order to transfer the devotion of the heathen from the sun to him who was called the son of righteousness. So this is something that we can we, we can see. A deep, um, it goes back to all that time um, where they, they, they tried to um, kind of uh, merge the two uh, um, uh, in, into one. And that's okay. what we see right now. Um, as far as us Muslims and celebrating the Christmas, um, I think I think uh, uh, the, the the fourth caliph of the the Ahmadi Muslim community put it very well. Um, just to um, just just to branch off of that, um, we, we we need to understand that uh, Christmas is um, or uh, people who do celebrate Christmas are celebrating essentially the birth of Jesus, and uh, us as the Ahmadi Muslim community do not celebrate it just as we don't celebrate the birthdays of other prophets. Um, but what what we can do is that what we should fo- we we should follow the teachings of the prophets and take time to reflect. And uh, rather than um, rather than to make the, the the birthdays of occasion of merriment and enjoyment, um, apart from this, um, uh, our beloved Hazur, um, um, the, the the fifth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, um, uh, states more or less the same things as uh, uh, the fourth caliph, um, Hazrat Musa Tahir Ahmad. May Allah um, be pleased with him. Um, he states that um, uh, so. He 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 asks. So so so, so another young gentleman, a, another person from the youth, um, asks, um, like, why why don't we celebrate Christmas? And to which Hazur said that, what do Christians uh, do during Christmas? So what activities do they entail? And um, he he mentions that if your child um, does not sing rhymes of Jesus, Son of God, then it's all right to attend. And if the child is simply wanting to share amongst his friends, then that's perfectly fine as well. There's no issue. Um, but he also mentions, this is very interesting, I, th- I really like this, and th- in that case, that you should invite your child's friend to Eid. So are the celebrations of Muslims. We should, we, we should also invite them to Eid and um, um, uh, sh- show them and introduce them to um, our, uh, our traditions as well. Um, I believe everything else was really mentioned by uh, Sayyid Mashud, so I can't, I can't release anything mm-hmm. um, apart from that. No, no, thanks very much. Uh, that was that was useful and important. Thank you for for that uh, for that contribution. Um, we have to move on now because uh, time is against us. Uh, and look at the third of our main stories. This is uh, Denmark's parliament adopts law banning Quran burnings. Uh, the gist of the story is that Denmark's parliament 
HEPA has passed a bill that makes it illegal uh, to burn copies of the Quran in public places after protests in Muslim nations over the desecration <coughs> of Islam's holy book uh, raised security concerns. Mm. <coughs> the uh, bill which prohibits inappropriate uh, treatment of writings uh, with uh, significant religious importance for a recognized religious community was passed with 94 votes in favor and um, 77 vo- uh, votes that were opposing it in the 179-seat uh, 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 folk- Falketing on uh, on Thursday. Um, now, we will be sp- uh, speaking to uh, um, our expert, who is Imam, uh, is an Imam there uh, in uh, in Denmark, uh, Imam Falal, and uh, um, hopefully our technician will be connecting us to him shortly. But um, let's just um, um, focus on this particular uh, item and uh, start by uh, elaborating upon the importance of the Holy Quran for a Muslim. Uh, Muslim take uh, take the Holy Quran to be a coveted uh, guidebook. Uh, it is the ultimate guide, um, uh, code of conduct and way of life, uh, the true path of salvation, the um, Holy Quran has been sent down. Uh, Muslims believe uh, to us as a mercy from Allah to relieve and ground comfort to those that have searched for God everywhere only to be brokenhearted. Uh, in chapter 10, verse 58, we are told, O mankind, there has come to you an exhortation from your Lord and a cure of whatever uh, disease there is in the hearts and a guidance and a mercy to the believers. As I said, this is in chapter 10, mm-hmm. verse uh, verse 58. Now, um, this particular story regarding um, the uh, the passing of this legislation in uh, in uh, in Denmark has has is is of interest to us, and uh, uh, it's good that we have uh, Imam. Salaam Malik uh, with us. Thank you. Salaam Alaikum and thank you much for joining us on the breakfast show. I think there is some interference, but uh, we'll persevere despite it. I'm sure a technical uh, department will be able to uh, uh, clear that out. Uh, so let me just ask you, can you, I mean, I'm, I was talking about the significance of, uh, of uh, the Quran uh, to Muslims. Can you elaborate a bit more about uh, what is the significance of Quran in Islam? Uh, yes, uh, the significance of the Quran is that it is uh, the revelation given to Prophet Muhammad, who is the founder of Islam, by God, uh, and uh, it contains basically it contains the, the religion of Islam. Mm-hmm. It contains the Sharia, what we call the Sharia, Islamic law, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, revealed to him. Um, during a span of uh, approximately 20 years, 20, 21 years, right. from the time where he was uh, appointed as a prophet. Mm. So okay. the first revelation where he was appointed as a prophet is also there. Mm-hmm. And uh, until the time uh, near his uh, his death, mm-hmm. uh, where the, 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 the Sharia or the religion was completed, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was from uh, during the, these twenty years of his prophethood, mm-hmm. um, the revelation was sent down to him, and these revelations were, you know, is what we call the Quran. 
okay. was later, you know, it was later, you know, uh, soon after, was compiled into a book form. Right. And that is the Quran. Okay. Um, now, I'm sure it's welcome news that uh, uh, Denmark has taken this uh, action. Uh, it was a close vote, closer than, than I would have thought. Uh, but uh, how would you explain to uh, a non-Muslim <coughs> Uh, the importance of the Quran and why Muslims feel uh, feel hurt when the Quran is desecrated or uh, burnt in this fashion. Why? Why it's only a book? They would say. Well, uh, to Muslim is not uh, only a book because this, as I just explained, it is the revelation sent down by God to Prophet Muhammad. Hmm. So it is a holy book, and this is not just for Muslims. I think uh, that. Uh, other uh, religions, uh, people of uh, other religions also honor their books. Uh, so uh, their holy books, they honor them. Because mm. they are, the, uh, some people, they, you know, we believe it's the word of God. Mm. Some others, uh, uh, other people of other religions, they say that their, their scriptures are inspired by God. So of course, if we, you believe that something is uh, revealed by God or inspired by God, you have a uh, respect for it, especially respect for it, uh, and um, it is. Um, this yes. is they, they feel disrespected if uh, yes. they feel that their religion is disrespected because yes. the, the book represents the religion, mm. and the book represents the people also. Mm. So mm. they feel that by disrespecting the Quran, they are disrespecting their God, they're disrespecting their prophet, they're disrespecting their religion, and mm. and and the people as a whole. Hmm. So it's the word of God in marriage respect, and if it's uh, if it's in any way desecrated, then uh, that is of course a source of hurt. So it's yeah. it's, it's understandable, and it should be understandable. Um, what is the role of the Quran in strengthening the spiritual connection between Muslims and their faith? Excuse me, I didn't hear you. Uh, the role of the Quran in, yeah. in for for a Muslim in strengthening a Muslim's spiritual connection uh, with uh, with their faith. With his or her faith, yeah, the role of the Quran is is huge in that respect because, as I said, it is the word of God, and it is actually um, uh, the whole religion is in the Quran. Actually, mm-hmm. so at the end of the Prophet Muhammad's uh, life, uh, the revelation was revealed, which is in the Quran, is that Yoma Akmal tu So mm-hmm. uh, today I have um, completed completed your mm-hmm. religion for you. Mm. Uh, and I have uh, fulfilled my my uh, blessing on you, mm-hmm. completed my blessing on you. Mm-hmm. So uh, this means that uh, uh, the Quran is the religion of Islam, and it contains the guidance through which you can uh, develop spiritually and connect with God. Mm-hmm. Can you also touch upon, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be handing over the mic to uh, Imam Jalis in a minute, uh, who's with me. Um, but can you also touch upon uh, the fact, uh, the, uh, the yes, on whether there are different versions of the Quran and how many different versions are there? Uh, there's only one version of the Quran. Yes, elaborate. Yeah, yeah I want so, you to yeah, say more about that, please. Yeah, there's one version of the Quran. Of course, there are. Uh, the, the Quran was also read in different dialects. So, uh, um, in the time of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, the Arabs, there were different tribes, and uh, they all spoke Arabic, 
but they spoke uh, Arabic in different dialects. And uh, it was allowed to uh, recite the Quran in different dialects. In fact, the Quran was also revealed in different dialects. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this means that you, you, you also have some Qurans where you have the same text, totally the same text. You have the same Quran all over, but in um, in the note you might have alternative dialects. Right. Um, right. So that's that's all. But the yes. main text, the, the 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 core text, is totally the same. It's not changed mm. at all. No. But this is the unique feature of the Holy Book of the Muslims. Mm. That is the only book which is uh, just has just a single version. Mm. They're not yeah. different versions as they yeah. are of the Bible. We're talking. Mm. We were discussing the Bible earlier on. So we yeah. have different versions, like the King James's version and mm. the uh, the uh, modern version, mm -hmm. but we don't have that with the Quran. It's a single a single text all over the world uh, that is uh, that is observed by the 1.9 billion Muslims that mm. are that are currently in the world. Over to you, uh, Imam Jalis. Yes, um, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Imam Falah. Uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Wa alaikum salam. How are you this morning? Good. That's very good. Um, I, I believe you're residing in uh, Tilford, Islamabad, if I'm not mistaken, um, or Farnham, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm, I'm in Islamabad. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm on a visit. Mashallah, this is very good to hear. Um, that, that's really good. So, so just keeping in in mind that um, Islam is a religion for all of mankind. Um, how does the Quran create unity among Muslims, transcending geographical and cultural differences? Uh, well, it, it, uh, the Quran teaches us that Muslims are uh, spiritually each other's brothers. Mm. You know, so they should, you know, uh, treat each other especially well. But Islam not only teaches that we are brothers, uh, Muslims. In, fa in fact, Islam teaches that all mankind are brothers. Mm. Uh, Islam, uh, 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 the Quran says that uh, it is a teaching for all mankind. It is a universal teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it calls the Prophet Muhammad a mercy for mankind, it's not yeah. only for Muslims. Yeah. So, in fact, I would say that it's not only the, the Quran teaches that uh, Muslims are each other's brothers mm. and should treat each other like brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, you should show such affection to others, other Muslims as you would show to your own brothers, you know, mm. biological brothers. Yes. But it, actually, the Quran teaches more than that. The Quran says that you should treat all of mankind, regardless mm. of your their religion, yes. as brothers. You know. Mm -hmm. So well, the Prophet Muhammad says that uh, uh, a Muslim is he who prefer for others what uh, his brother, which mm. is actually the the word brother is uh, actually means all of mankind because mm. in religious terminology. Um, uh, the, the Muslims or uh, the Quran use the word O Bani Adam mm. which means O the son of Adam mm. sons of Adam it means that all of mankind are, are each other all of mankind are one family so when the Prophet Muhammad says that you should treat prefer for your brother what you prefer for yourself it means you prefer for others all of mankind what you prefer mm. for yourself and you should create unity and brotherhood among, uh, among yourselves Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for answering that question. Very well put, uh, just expounding on the beauty of the Holy Quran and what it teaches about brotherhood and unity and how that actually, in fact, transcends um, all 
um, all boundaries, all geographical and cultural differences as well. Uh, my next question is, uh, why is it important to respect the Quran and avoid actions like burning it, um, considering it it's a, it's a sacred um, sacred piece of um, oh, is, is, is the most sacred artifact that we have in Islam? Well, it is important, again, I would um, answer this question in the same manner I answered the previous question. Mm -hmm. It is not only important to respect the Qur'an, to create um, peace uh, in society, Mm -hmm. religious peace and social peace Mm -hmm. uh, and political peace, because people are offended and then their, you know, uh, conflicts uh, emerge from it. Uh, But it's also important to respect other scriptures. Mm-hmm. So not only the Quran, but the Bible and other scriptures too. Because if you, you disrespect other people's scriptures, they will be offended, and then that will create a conflict. Oh. So it is important that we respect each other's uh, religious, religious uh, scriptures, holy books, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> holy uh, people, mm-hmm. people who rep- represent the religions, mm-hmm. and generally also respect each other, regardless of whether we are religious or not. Mm-hmm. Or not. And not use a, a, a freedom of uh, speech to mm-hmm. offend each other, but use freedom of speech to create a healthy um, uh, and respectful uh, um, discussion and debate. If you can elaborate a bit more uh, on that, I mean, what do you think the reaction of Muslims should be, and what is the mm-hmm. the the guidance that is being given by the Ahmadi Muslim community to such provocations where? Uh, this this kind of uh, uh, this this kind of burning takes place if it takes when it takes place. Well, the guidance is that you should uh, you shouldn't uh, be provocated. Mm-hmm. In fact, that guidance is uh, in the Quran itself. Mm-hmm. So the Quran says that when the when they uh, <clears throat> it's not the exact words, but there's one verse in the Quran which says that when they make fun of the signs of God. Mm-hmm. And the signs of God in uh, Arabic and Islamic terminology is ayat, mm-hmm. and it means uh, his the holy books, mm-hmm. uh, his holy people, mm-hmm. also. And um, <clears throat> if they do that, you should just turn away from them peacefully. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the other uh, avenue in other verses is that uh, you could also debate them peacefully. You know, mm-hmm. counter uh, uh, argue them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you should not uh, react violently at all. That is not allowed uh, in Islam. Mm-hmm. And what was the reaction of uh, the Ahmadi uh, Muslim community in Denmark when uh, the Quran was burned? Our reaction was we used it, we used the 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 path of uh, debate. <clears throat> so I gave um, I put up a, a video on social media. Uh, where I uh, presented this verse of the Quran, which says that you should uh, act, you should react peacefully, mm-hmm. and some uh, <clears throat> radio channels and and uh, newspapers they picked that up mm-hmm. and contacted me, and so I gave around four interviews mm-hmm. to some uh, relatively or, or pretty well known newspapers and and, and radio channels, mm-hmm. and uh, there I I presented the the message of Islam. Right. The peaceful message of, uh, message of Islam is, which is that you shouldn't be provocated. You should uh, either just be peacefully turned away, 
or you should answer them, uh, the allegations uh, in a peaceful way with arguments. Mm. And they uh, they appreciated it. Okay, right. No, very well done. Thanks very much uh, for that. Yeah, do you want to? Uh, yes, I, I actually just 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 to finish off. Um, I think I think um, I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, respect uh, brother Valid, but um, uh, uh, respected uh, Imam Falah uh, is is here um, uh, with the, with a delegation from uh, Denmark. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to ask um, respected Falah, uh, Imam Falah, if uh, if you can just kind of um, just 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 let us know what activities you're you're getting on with uh, while your time in uh, in the UK. Well, we have uh, our spiritual leader here, mm-hmm. His Holiness Sadr Mizam Masood Ahmed, in Tilford, mm-hmm. uh, Islamabad. And uh, we are a, a small group of uh, um, uh, members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Denmark. Mm-hmm. We came here to meet him, and we had our audience with him. Uh, and we, st- we are staying here for a week. And during that, we are also doing some uh some work you know where we can support the community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what what sort of work um, what, what sort of work are you are you getting on right now we're doing some security work okay okay no, yeah. thank you so much for okay. that thank you very much uh, Imam for, uh, for, I mean thanks uh, very much for coming on and thank yeah. you for me for your contribution uh, when are you going back? We're going back uh, tomorrow morning. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Have a safe journey back then. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay. Salam alaikum. Right, um, Imam Jalis, it's over to you if you need anything to add before we finish yes, off. Yes, of course. Um, I just want to, oh, yeah, I yeah, just remember no, one thing do. that uh, when this uh, these events happened, they went, uh, they took place one after the other in mm-hmm. these in these uh, northern European countries. Mm-hmm. That uh, we also organised uh, events here in the UK mm-hmm. and uh, called uh, leaders of various faiths mm-hmm. and then uh, pronounced upon what basically uh, Imam Falah was saying mm-hmm. that uh, the importance of showing respect, to be sensitive, to be civil mm-hmm. when it comes to matters of faith and to respect each other's mm-hmm. uh, uh, holy books. And we exchanged holy books yeah. between ourselves. Yeah. So uh, the Christian Bible was mm-hmm. uh, given to a Hindu and uh, so the Quran was given to a Jew and so forth mm-hmm. and so on. So yeah. that also uh, was one of the ways in which we were able to um, channel yeah. Our our hurt, our ill feeling about what had taken place, mm-hmm. and uh, to get something good out of it, to to educate, and mm-hmm. to inform people about the peaceful teachings of Islam and how mm-hmm. we should behave as human beings, mm-hmm. as in 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 matters like this, mm-hmm. civilly and sensibly and sensitively. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a, a positive measure, and I believe that that also took place in other parts of the world. Yeah. So that's the way to react is not the teaching uh, that is promoted by the Ahmadi Muslim community to mm-hmm. go out and and uh, and vent your anger yeah. through violence that's not something that we would do absolutely not that was very beautifully put thank you so much mm. for that uh, respected uh, brother Valid mm. um, I, I would like to touch upon a little bit of the context how how, how this uh, Quran burning started because it was, it was it was very um Intriguing for us as Muslims as well, how how this all started. I think uh, I think we have to go back, or we have to go to Sweden for this. Um, a, a gentleman named Rasmus uh, Paludin, who was the leader of the far right party Stram Course, which mm-hmm. means hard line. Uh, 
Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, Which year are we talking about? I think I think this is t- t- 2020, okay. 2019 maybe, possibly. Okay. I, think, I think there was a chap in Florida who did it as well, or oh, threatened to do it. Oh, really? Um, yes, I, 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 I don't, years I, before. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right, yes. absolutely, yes. But I, yeah. I don't think he carried He on. didn't carry it out. He didn't carry it out, I don't yeah. think he carried it no, out. No, absolutely, I, I do yeah. remember that. That was, that was, that was some time yeah. ago as well, yeah. I believe, yes. But I think, I think Rasmus... Um, I think he succeeded in his um, awful plan. Okay. But uh, yes, and uh, he he carried out um, in, in in the city of Linköping. Uh-huh. Um, I pronounced that correctly as okay. well. So he's he's a Danish politician, um, and he's no, no no stranger to controversy. And uh, he also had a similar plan um, to burn the the, the Holy Quran in twenty twenty as well. Um, and this this has caused as he is, as as we're aware violent uh, reactions. Mm. Um, so yes, um, and he was also jailed for some other offences as well for offensive behaviour. Um, but yes, I think that, 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 that this was more or less the the context of how this kind of started. And obviously, mm. it's, they're just mm. sticking to Scandinavia as well. Um, the Danish Parliament obviously um, voted um, against uh, burning the Holy yeah. Quran, but I think I think they also voted against burning all um, holy scripture, um, ah. all holy scripture. So even the the Bible and the Torah. Mm. So this is unified in 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 this. And uh, Rasmus. Um, uh, Mr. Rasmus, he he pulled this. He he did this in the name of freedom of speech, uh-huh. and uh, saying that he he has every right to because it is it it is it is all it is his right because it's freedom of speech. Um, just touching upon um, what um, our beloved Hazur, um, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mizah, Hazur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, may Allah be his helper. Um, he was he was actually asked regarding this um, this whole situation in Sweden um, when this was when, when this was occurring, and um, he was asked what how to how to how, how to how to respond to this. He did condemn these actions first and foremost, and he mentioned that the reason why this is happening is that they do not know the true teachings of Islam. These people get the impression that such mus, uh, such things might actually be written in the Holy Quran. They try to grab one or two verses that instructs the believers to do qital, which is to, to fight, to, to, to proceed in war, whilst overlooking the rest of the verses, which explain the circumstances or context behind or enabling this permission. So these people should be made aware of these teachings and you should make your plans to propagate the true teachings in accordance with it. Mm. So th- this is exactly, I mean, this is this, we touched upon this with Falah, uh, Imam Falah as well. Um, how he expounded beautifully the teachings of the Holy Quran and this is exactly what we need to do we need to educate mm. the masses and mm. make them aware that the, the Holy Quran is a very beautiful scripture and it just speaks of mercy and a, mm. and a loving God and it is not all about war and this is this is exactly what people do some people are the opponents of Islam they they they, they, they nitpick so they, they they take little things out of context um, but if you if you if you bring it into the the, the wider uh, context then you will understand this it's a very mm. beautiful book and this is exactly what we need to do yeah. and this is what the missionaries in Sweden actually did so from some time I think to the past two three years mm. they've been traveling all over Sweden all over mm. Sweden Sweden's a, a pretty large country as well mm. landmass mm. it's uh, um, although the population is roughly 10 million the the, the, the land is, is, is quite widespread as well, mm. um, the population anyway, and uh, yes. Um, so, the, so, so for the past several uh, s- several years, they tried to respond to the desecration of the copies of the Holy Quran, and they set up st- uh, tours and stalls over ninety locations around the country. And copies of the Holy Quran have been placed in hundreds of libraries across Sweden, and uh, among public in Sweden. So this is this is what we what we see. Um, 
what we see that's happening in in, yeah. in Sweden and in Scandinavian countries, as as Imam Fala said as well, that he also went out and spoke to a lot of uh, media outlets and tried to expound the beauty of Islam and the the, uh, the, uh, the true Islam and, and and the essence of the Holy Quran. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to we need to provide the essence of the Holy Quran. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned that. Yeah, and then it's interesting that His Holiness also said that it's the ignorance yeah. of the Holy Book and what's in it that. Uh, uh, causes people to behave in the way they do. Yeah. But those people who do examine the Holy Quran sincerely and yeah. impartially yeah. are then uh, are then uh, able to be brought around. Yeah. Uh, I've been giving some presentations on the Holy Quran recently yes. and I came across uh, one uh, quite interesting story about mm-hmm. Gary Waller. Gary Waller was a mm-hmm. preacher, mm-hmm. Uh, a Christian preacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, he announced in, I think it was 1977, he mm-hmm. announced that uh, he was going to take two years off, mm-hmm. or some years off, maybe, yeah. I can't remember, and uh, go and learn Arabic mm-hmm. so that he could uh, identify all the flaws that exist in the Holy mm-hmm. Quran yeah. and demonstrate uh, how uh, poor this particular uh, uh, religious scripture is. Yeah. And uh, surprisingly, he came back two years later, yeah. published a book, and it, the book's title was Amazing Quran. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he pointed out certain things. Um, one th- one uh, thing that he said is that uh, there is a verse in the Holy Quran that talks about um, the Big Bang, mm. all right? And uh, he says that this is something that won the Nobel Prize in the 70s, in 1973, mm. I think, or 77. Mm. And this is something that is mentioned by the Holy Quran, mm-hmm. which was uh, written mm-hmm. or composed 1,400 years ago. Yeah. So how could somebody in Arabia have known about that? Yeah. And the other thing he pointed out, which had never occurred to me before, he said that if if this was... Uh, apart from the fact that he couldn't find any flaws in it, mm-hmm. he said that if this was uh, a book that was uh, self-fabricated or mm-hmm. fabricated by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, yes. and, and this is relevant to what we were discussing earlier, yeah. he said, why is it that there is not a single chapter that is uh, entitled by the name of his wife, Aisha? Yeah. Why is there not a single chapter uh, named after his daughter Fatima, yeah. but there is a chapter on Maryam, yeah. on the mother of Jesus. Yeah. We were quoting from that earlier. Yes, right? yes, we were. Why yeah. is that the case? Yes. And why is it that if this is self-fabricated, yeah. that he himself mentions himself by name only four times, yeah. and Jesus twenty-five? Times. Yes, yes. And he says that these are clues that indicate that this is not self-made; yeah. that there is some independent origin to it. Yes. So it goes to show that those people, and this, he came from a background that was hostile to, to the Quran, hostile to Islam, yeah. but he had, he was good-natured, yeah. right? He was impartial when he, when he uh, decided to uh, embrace or approach or encroach upon yeah. this project. Yeah. And therefore he was, he was led to, to understand the truth uh, very, very, very clearly. So those people who are able yeah. to uh, study the Holy Quran impartially, yeah then they will be uh, coming to the same conclusion. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, evoke the words, amazing Quran, as, yeah. he, as he did when he was uh, entitling his book. So, so, what was his name? Something Waller? Gary Waller. Gary Waller. Gary Waller. Oh, okay. He, became, he, started, he's, he's, he went to Saudi Arabia eventually and oh, started wow. teaching there. 
he was a he's a doctorate. Okay. He was a doctor. He was a, he had a PhD in, in I think uh, I think no he was a mathematician. Okay. A mathemati- but a preacher. That's preacher. Oh. Anyway, we've uh, I need to thank uh, people. We're coming to the end of the show. Uh, we've over, over over stretched this. Um, yeah. The producer uh, Dania Nasser and Malia Abdullah. Um, uh, the lead producer of Khan and Malia Abdullah. And uh, researchers Aman, Tahrim, Fatima, Murabi Toki Tamir, who was our boss. Yes. And uh, let's not forget Muhammad Shafiq, uh, who was be- uh, beavering around in the control room, making sure everything ran smoothly. Assalamu alaikum until next time. <laughs>